think you are. Welcome back for another episode. And today I want to dive into being the daughter of immigrant parents. My parents immigrated to Canada with my brother when he was very young, I believe in 1981. And they came from India. I can't imagine what that must have been like to be a brand new family coming to a brand new country without any experience of this country, not even knowing the language properly or enough to really do a lot with, they embarked on this journey to start a brand new life here. And I, when I think of that, I I get chills because I am constantly dreaming about, you know, moving to somewhere warm and sunny, um, leaving the country for a little while and going and experiencing life in a different country. And when I think of that, I think of that as a vacation, but not as a full-on life move to pick up and go to a place where I don't speak the language, where I barely know anybody, where I've probably never been before. And now I'm going to go there and start an entire life from scratch with the responsibility of a small child Uh, it it boggles my mind as to how my parents did it. And it gives me a lot of gratitude and um, just amazement at their ability. And I'm not even sure if they've ever really taken a full moment to appreciate how much they've done for themselves to come to that place. I don't ever remember hearing my parents talk about their accomplishments from a place of pride or from a sense of agency of, wow, I came through so much adversity and challenge and was able to produce such a wonderful outcome for my life, for my kids' lives, for my community's lives. Instead, in my ears, whenever I'd hear them talk about their challenges, what it sounded like to me uh, hearing it was, you know, we've been through so much and it was... It wasn't like that. It was more of a, we gave up, we sacrificed, and we did so many things for you. And while I'm grateful that they made those decisions that led to their achievement of moving here before I was even a thought on their mind, and I'm sure they had the best of intentions for bringing their family to Canada for better opportunities overall for my brother and for themselves, hearing those words, it it left a lot of feelings of grief and shame to hold within myself knowing that they gave up a lifestyle they had gotten used to in India and then came here because they planned on giving themselves and my brother a different kind of life and opportunity. And when they had me here, I was able to reap the benefits of being born Canadian. But I was always reminded of their sacrifice. And I would find myself saying, oh my gosh, they they sacrifice so much for us and, and they go through so much for us. And it Instead of this sense of pride and joy, it it instilled this sense of guilt and shame, like they did this for me out of a sacrifice, not because it was better for them. It almost sounded like they were worse off. And that might not have been their truth, but as a young child taking it in and seeing how distraught they were and, and just the dynamic of our family at the time, it it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel joyful. And that was what 
was instilled within me from my own experience, being a naive child who didn't know any better or hearing them talk about their accomplishments, I, I didn't really feel proud about their accomplishments because it didn't sound like an accomplishment. There wasn't much space left within my brain for that. And be, maybe because of the semantics of language and, and the emotional baggage that felt like was mine to carry. When I speak to other children of particularly South Asian immigrant parents, I start to believe that there is some translational error, but also this sense of emotional weirdness with this type of messaging. I wish the language was there for them to be happy and prideful of their own accomplishments and pat themselves on the back without reminding the other person of who they did it for. Let's be real. We all do things for ourselves or should, and then let who we support reap the benefits from it. But reminding them that they are reaping the benefits doesn't need to be the only messaging, especially not at such a young age. But I don't know the first thing about parenting, and I don't think these conversations were out of malice or with an intent to hurt. The language just wasn't there to say, look at how far we've come, look at all the cool things we did, and now you can do. I understand that my parents wanted better for themselves and their future family now. I understand that now. Mm -hmm. But as a child, that's now how it was heard or understood. And I can imagine how my own words would be to myself should that, should that have gone a bit differently. I feel like now, being an adult, it's my responsibility to change those words for myself. It's my responsibility to take what was given to me and maybe it was translational error. Maybe it was me hearing it through the lens of someone who didn't have any other way to say it. And so I blame myself for their hardships and challenges. Or maybe it was a combination of many things together. My upbringing, me being a kid and cultural differences. Something got lost there. Something got lost in that messaging. So I'm taking it upon myself that it's my responsibility now to hear that in a different way and to not repeat it outward at anyone else that I'm not doing what I'm doing, that I'm not living my life for the sake of someone else. I'm not sacrificing things in my life for someone else's benefit. I'm actually doing amazing things in my life. I'm making myself bigger, better, stronger, and more amazing at whatever I put my heart and soul into so that I can show up better for myself and therefore for those around me just by default, but not because of them. I'm showing up as my best self first so I can show up better for my, within my environment and for my environment and maybe just lead by example instead of leading by force, instead of leading by shame or guilt or blame or whatever those words might be on the receiving end. I'm not doing this for anyone else but me. And this may sound so selfish to some ears. It definitely took me a long time to hear it any other way. But we only get to live our lives for us. If we live our lives in the best way possible for our own selves and improve our health, improve our mindset, our abilities, our growth, our love, and our ability to shine, then we can encourage others to do that by example, rather than telling them how they should do things. I remember visiting India and my, one of my cousins was a teacher and she taught I believe grade three or four. And she said, do you want to come with me? And you can hang out in the class with me for the day and then we'll go spend the rest of the day doing fun stuff. 
And I think I was around the same age as those students. I was like, sure, I'll come to class. I want to see what school in India is like. And I didn't realize it then. But as I look back now, it definitely highlights some key elements of the different upbringings in different countries, different societies, different cultures, where in India, there was a lot of focus, at least in that school, a lot of focus was put into doing really well, but you weren't given great accolades and words of affirmation and encouragement when you did well. You weren't congratulated, really. It wasn't a big deal if you did well. It was an expectation for you to do well. You were punished for not doing well. You were punished for breaking the rules of the classroom. You were punished for misbehaving. You were punished for showing up late. You were punished for leaving early. You were punished for speaking when you should have raised your hand. You were punished... You were punished, you were punished, you were punished. Like, I remember punishment from that trip. I don't remember the good stuff of that moment where a kid did something great and they were like, good job, you know? No, there was no good job. It was expected that you did good or great. And if you didn't, if you were out of line, if you got the answer wrong, you were either going to get hit with a stick or put up against a wall with your nose against a wall or sent to the detention, like the principal's office. That wasn't how I was brought up here. And I think to have parents who were brought up in that way, that's how they went to school. I don't know how much worse it must have been or different. I don't know how much different, how much more different it must have been like in the 50s versus the 90s in India, 1950s. And for them to raise a child in Canada in 1990, <laughs> who's going through the school system where you're encouraged to do well, you're encouraged when you do something right, you get detention for speaking out, but you're not threatened by it. You're not like deathly afraid of, or I wasn't deathly afraid of detention. I was deathly afraid of my parents finding out I would have detention. And so I'd never never put myself in that situation. I was so afraid of my parents, not the teacher, not the principal, not the school system. I was afraid of what would happen at home if I screwed up outside of the house. But I was generally a really good student. I paid attention in class. I was always on time because I got rewarded for that too, right? Like you got rewarded for attendance. You got gold stars for taking part in class. And it was a completely different way to do the same thing. But how could, and I know nothing about parenting and I'm, I am not going to pretend that I do. I'm not here to parent my parents or the parents that are listening to this, but like I have such gratitude and, and, I'm trying to understand and I recognize the gap in this situation where I have two parents coming from a different country with their child and then they birth another child who's raised in this other country 
And there are completely different societal norms, societal regulations and rules and cultural expectations, and a completely different type of schooling that this child is going to be sent off into. And these parents have to now understand how this schooling is different from their schooling and that this is how it is now. And they have to try and find the at least some middle ground navigating how that where that middle ground is so that they feel like they're not losing their culture and their there some aspects of how they were raised that they really believe in that they really take to heart and live by they don't want to lose some of that through the process of their children going off into this system that doesn't do it like that at all I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. I'm not saying one way is better or worse. I'm just saying they're so very different from each other that that creates such a big divide between those parents and those kids. And if there's a further generation in, I'm, I'm one, or one generation further than my brother, right? I didn't come from India. It's even more different because I'm always the kid that was born here. I will never be just the daughter I'm the daughter that was born here. Like that was my title. You're Canadian and I'm proudly Canadian, but I so badly wanted to be Indian. Like I listened to the music. I learned the language first. I, I, I learned the, the dances and I knew the cultural calendar <laughs> and the religious calendar. And I'd go to temple every Sunday and sing. And I was just never Indian enough to them. And I was never Canadian enough to everyone else. And I was constantly smacked around like a ping pong ball. That's what it felt like. Just never belonging in my own family or in the family of others or in the environment that I was in because like there was just such a huge gap that between the system I was born into and the system that was trying to raise me. The gap between how I was raised at home and how I was being raised at school was so wide that it's amazing to me how us as children without, without really like, you know, having an education behind how to do these things, it's just our emotional intelligence and our intuition that helps us bridge these crazy gaps in our lives. And so being able to make friends with others who had similar experiences to myself growing up, but then also knowing to make friends with people who didn't have similar experiences, whether it was my idea of like, hmm, it's escapism, I can live through their lives, through their stories, through their experiences, or whether it was like my childlike curiosity of like, oh, wow, things can be different. That's cool. What is What does that look like? Or whether it was because somebody shared their animal crackers with me. I don't know, but I think it's so amazing how we have this ability to bridge gaps that you, we may not even recognize how we do that. When there's such a big difference between two parts of our lives, how do we bring those pieces a little bit closer together? How do we make it a little more comfortable for ourselves? And how do we start to connect the dots in a way that it can 
allow us to live a little bit easier. And I can't imagine how my parents bridged that gap. And I know it's, it's never pretty, but it works to some degree. And they did amazing. I'm never going to play that down. But I think what every parent and child goes through is this, the parents having some sort of expectation of their children. And I think when there's more layers to it, you know, like age differences, differences in era, differences in culture, differences in cultural upbringing, countries of living, languages of upbringing, different ideologies in the school system, you know, that one spoke to me quite a bit lately, is like their schooling was a direct, like their upbringing was a direct result of their schooling. And it's probably how mine was too. And those were clashing. How we did things clashed. So of course, we're going to continue to clash as I grow because here I am growing with these like really awesome, encouraging messages. But at the same time, I'm getting these messages of like, you better do good. You better not fail. Because this is what happens when you fail. This is what happens when you don't do well. You know, so it's like, this policing and this encouragement between the two, this dance between the two spots. And not to say they were never encouraging. I don't want it to sound that way. But I'm looking at the gap and how, how vastly different those, two, different those two systems are. They're very different. And so it helps me hold compassion for how they were raised, because at the end of the day, my parents are human beings. <laughs> They're also, you know, they also were somebody's kid. They were also raised a certain way and had to go through certain things. And so I can have compassion for the fact that they were raised differently. They dealt with things differently. And I can have compassion for myself that as a child, I didn't have autonomy over how I was raised, how I was going to deal with certain things until I got to a certain age and had an ability to take care of myself because I was old enough to do so. And now it's my responsibility. So yes, I am the daughter of immigrant parents and that brings with it a certain stigma, a certain ideology, a certain set of experiences. But it's my responsibility to take those experiences and turn it into whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can do everything. I can do anything. Those words of affirmations that I'm so all about have to start from me first. Because now I can. As a child, I probably couldn't, and I still somehow did. And I found friends who did it for me, which were awesome friends, by the way. I've always only ever had amazing friends. And there were definitely moments where it was sprinkled into my childhood through my parents and other family members. But it's my responsibility now as a full-grown adult to do it for myself first. 
If I want to be treated a certain way, if I need those words of affirmation, if I need that love, if I need that touch, if I need that quality time, I need to create all of that for me first. I need to know what it feels like to receive it by giving it to myself so that I know, do I actually want it? When do I want it? How do I want it? What are the boundaries around that for me? So while I'm the daughter of an immigrant set of parents, I'm also a very capable, and because of it, I'm a very capable adult who is awesome and amazing. (laughs) And all the things that I want to hear said to me, because I can say them to me first. As I wrap up this episode, I want to leave you with a little message that we are what we make of our experiences. You aren't what somebody tells you you are. You aren't who someone tells you you are. You are who you want to be. And so if you put yourself in the driver's seat of your life and live your life through your full experience, your full lens of who you want to be, take full control of that. Because if you show up for you how you want to show up for you, only then can others show up for you how you need them to, if you need them to. Would you even need them to if you did it for yourself? So put yourself first. In all the most beautiful ways, put yourself first and live through your experiences and how you would experience them. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please like, share, comment, give it a rating or whatever. (laughs) And remember to be real, be you, be whoever you think you are.